This episode of the Major Issues Podcast is brought to you by ComicBookClick.com. That's it, people. ComicBookClick.com is the one stop for all things Comic Book Click, our merchandise, our articles, and every single episode of the Major Issues Podcast. Visit ComicBookClick.com and remember, you, yes, you are worthy. Everybody out there in comic book land, my name is George Serrano, aka The Don, and if you're listening to this, you could only be here for one reason, and it's a brand new episode of the Major Issues Podcast, brought to you by ComicBookClick.com, and as always, I am never alone. Sir, please introduce yourself. I am living up to my name today, Dan the Comic Book Man. Dan the Comic Book Man, this is a third comic book uh, themed episode, recap or review episode in a, in a row. row. Like, like. Like, literally, because I did read History of Violence for the movie. Yeah, I watched the movie, but that was my second time watching the movie. I literally read History of Violence, Irredeemable Ant-Man again, and Century. Three three episodes in a row for me. I love it. And to think when we started this podcast, you couldn't read. And now you're reading. Uh, you know what? I got to thank Every all day. of the Stars men and major stripes. issues for helping me read. Oh, yes. Yes, God. Yes, that comic book is actually amazing. I don't care. That comic book is actually really good. I just read issue six last night before I fell asleep. And it was, I'm like saying, what is this comic? It's, star, it's a star-spangled kid and stripes that we know. But right. it had Young Justice featuring. The last issue before that had the Shazam family. Like... This is crazy. Yes, yeah, Girl seems to be doing very well on television, and you are loving the uh, comics that it was based off of. By the time this episode is out, there will be an article recommending Stargirl to you all. Yes, written by please, this gentleman, guys. Uh, here, so go ahead and check that out by going to comic I'm just going to say it again. Please yeah. read Stargirl. Not read. Sorry. Watch. Please give it. It's going to CW, so it's going to have a, a more, I guess, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, easy reach like easy yeah. access you'll have an easier access to star girl knowing that it's on the cw channel 11 you know you don't even need cable channel 11 is just there for basic cable right but i'm telling you guys this show and be- i know by default it's the only like new show this year but it's still worth the watch yeah still worth the watch that's one the month thing, left that's guys. how i one that's how i left. feel about um doom patrol and doom patrol um, was on DC Universe at first only. And so while I liked it, it wasn't the easiest to access because unless you were a DC Comics fan already, which I didn't feel like you necessarily had to be to like Doom Patrol, um, you were stuck. So now that HBO Max has it, the idea is that um, more people could get into it. Especially since at the end of the month, HBO Go is discontinuing. Yeah. yeah. I just found out last night. When I went, I went to watch Doctor Sleep because uh, you you started um, Haunting of Hill House. Yeah. The creator and writer and showrunner of that show directed and wrote Doctor Sleep. Okay. But to me, he he made two other movies that I've seen: Gerald's Game and Hush. So it's like that. This is going to be my fourth take of his thing. But like, I wanted to watch it last night, and the first thing that pops up 
starting July 31st, 2020, this app will no longer be available. You have a, you had that app though? You Go. had that HBO Go app? I have the I've had the HBO Go app for two years. That's like my go-to app. So doesn't that I, mean that you I automatically have Max? No, because HBO Go is free with a TV provider. Oh. I don't think HBO. I think HBO. Double Max check. Is double do check that though, because that's what uh, my roommate has HBO Ma- no, Max I, or Go or one I, of those. I actually tried HBO. downloading HBO Max the night it premiered. I remember because we were all talking about it in the group chat. I downloaded HBO Max the night it premiered, like the night it was available to drop. I downloaded it on my PlayStation. And there was no way to sign in for TV provider. It's like how FX now is or how um, Cinemax's app is. Like you, you actually have to have a subscription to that streaming service. It's not a TV provider streaming service. It's its own service. Hmm. It's weird because it's even getting the stuff that's on Hulu. Because South Park is still on Hulu, but South Park is also on HBO Max. So I think it's HBO like Max... HBO Now and HBO Go. I think HBO Go is free. HBO Now. No, that's yeah. HBO Go is free because you said you had it and it was free, right? Yeah, all I had to do was sign into my TV uh, act, Provider, uh yeah. TV sign in. Yeah. I think now if you have HBO Now, it automatically transfers to a HBO Max account. But that's can the, you sign way. into a? No. Can you sign into a TV? Pro- no. See, that's the problem. Is though that that is its own streaming service that you have to pay monthly for it's not a a tv provider has access to sign into it which is bullcrap to me right it's now bullwhore. right now besides um uh agents of shield marvel doesn't have much in the way of television shows so far this year and um, it, all of its debuts like last week i think we found out last week all of its will supposedly debuts got pushed to 2021 yeah so this is going to be a bit of a rough year for Marvel, which made it a bit of a rough year for Marvel content as far as stuff to cover on the Major Issues podcast. Um, by now, we would have already seen Black Widow. So, yep. um, uh, I... I mean, Bloodshot is still... Bloodshot's the only Marvel thing that came out. Well, that's not Marvel. Oh, no, it's it's Vertigo? Image? No. Image. An yeah, image, image. Is DC. I'm almost certain it's An image is DC. No, images by itself. <laughs> oh, so it was Vertigo that was DC. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. That's that's the, that's the confusing part. Is it Vertigo that's DC or is it Image that's DC? Vertigo. One of the two Vertigo. is DC. It's Vertigo that's the imprint or imprint or yep. whatever you call it. Vertigo is like Vertigo the same way like Dark Label or Black okay, Label. Okay. Sorry. Um, yes. Yes. A uh, Valiant. Uh, Bloodshot is Valiant Comics. Valiant Comics. Yes, you have yeah. you have you have your Marvels and your DCs, but you also have um, content from Valiant Comics, from Image Comics, from Dark Horse Comics. Those things um, are also in the mix. But again, Marvel, nothing Marvel all year, maybe. Basically, no, basically all year because Scarlet Witch and Falcon and Winter Soldier is being pushed. So this wait, week, we might get new mutants. Yeah, in the, in the fall. Um, no, next month. Next month, yeah. that's the that would basically be almost the fall. Shit, yep, we're almost in August. Of, the end of August. We're two weeks into August. The end of August, supposedly New Mutants is still coming out, but um, and that's in their contract, right? Yeah, yeah, they might move it, but it has to come out in theaters. 
That's the whole. It ha- that was the contract thing. Is it has to come out in theaters? Yeah, it's the whole jam there. But um, I thought well, initially we were going to cover um, Joker's 80th anniversary, 100-page super spectacular, the same way we did for Batman, Superman, and, and other characters. But um, there's a lot of negativity going on in the world in general, and I felt oh you're like gonna bring that, that up. Okay, I was hoping that you was actually gonna bring up that personal conversation we had because uh, it's I, true. I don't necessarily feel like tackling somebody um, right now. I. I, I there's a lot of stuff going on with the Joker. In general, there's a Batman um, Joker War storyline that's about to happen, in, or it's just starting now uh, as part of the Batman line of comics. We have the three Jokers run that will be coming out soon, ran by Jeff Johns, that will explain how there has been definitively three Jokers this entire time. Uh, see, that, see, that worries me because I like Johns. Yeah. But I don't think there should be a three different Jokers throughout time. Yeah. Like, what is it going to be? The man who laughs, comedian, and then the Joker that we know pop culturally? Like, it's—I don't know. Then um, I heard people that, trust that the Joker them, but people don't. There's a bunch of yeah. There's a bunch of it, there's was, a bunch of stuff. What was that? Yeah, there's a bunch oh, of God. there's a bunch of um, people fall on either side of it. But I just feel like I—I I don't know why, but I feel like I've taken on a lot of Joker content recently, and I don't know why I'm feeling uh, that way. But it, it was last year because last well, year the Joker, Joker movie came yeah. out. We we had the Joker comic. We had Batman White Knight, which was basically Jack Napier Joker. We had yeah. the Joker movie that we were covering. Like the three, me and you basically covered three different Joker esque, you know, stories. Yeah. So instead of just, um, what do you call it? Like going through the motions and just covering Joker just to cover Joker. I'm going to save that. Um, 80th anniversary issue for a release of something more um, celebratory for Joker. So maybe, you know, when Three Jokers comes out or something. Yeah, that's that, that'd be like the perfect topical part yeah. to do. Uh, so instead, I chose to celebrate somebody's birthday a little bit early. Um, a well, Marvel... literally, uh, <laughs> from when we were recording, it's tomorrow. Yeah, a Marvel Comics character... Um, called the Sentry. Uh, not it. Uh, it's twenty years old now. You know, he can. Oh yeah. Uh, from upon listening, he'll be twenty years old. Of yeah, course. he can buy cigarettes, but he can't. Uh, <laughs> can't buy. No, he can't yet. buy cigarettes. Cigarettes is twenty-one. Oh wow! Look how things change. in New York. Cig- cigar- cigarettes is twenty-one. Cigarettes and liquor are the same age now. He can't even. He can't buy cigarettes or liquor. Poor guy. Um, but yeah, um, he's a character that. While he's not too um, old or young, depending how you want to look at it, uh, there's not not many people talk about him. I don't think enough people talk about him. There's no, literally nobody talks about him. If it was, I've heard of Sentry in like, but by name, by literally the name, the Sentry. But the problem was, is I thought it was DC. So when I found out he was right. actually Marvel, I'm like, oh snap, this is a Marvel. Are we actually covering a Marvel? Right. this week oh okay i'm down for this and it was marvel knights so i'm like oh definitely definitely yeah. this yeah. is like black label but in continuity it's right. crazy and it's weird because um i had re- i can't remember what, what got me to read this century story if i if i had to guess it's because of Sentry's involvement in uh world war hulk um he has really? a very, he has a very big uh moment in world war hulk 
Well, he well apparently he like he's him and Hulk are like you know thick as thieves. Yeah, they're like they're thick as thieves. Yeah. Um, he had a, a a big moment in there, so I went back to try to do my research. I read it, um, and I really dug it. And so since we were starting to do, um, I was looking through Marvel comics in general to see what I wanted to cover. This just felt like uh, perfect, especially considering that uh, he debuted in 2000. So and he'll be celebrating an anniversary literally in the third week of July. So yeah, yeah, it's like the perfect storm of this is topical. Yes. Um, and I'm glad I'm glad you wanted to cover this because God was this great. Yeah, it was. It's not your average comic book. There's not. It's very. It's very more. I, I think it's much more cerebral. Um, yes, it's definitely. much more in your head. Uh, a lot of what's being said is not being said out loud. It's a lot of um, inner monologues and stuff like that. Um, but I wanted to get into the background of the character real quick. So, uh, the Sentry, Robert Bob Reynolds. Is a fictional character appearing in American comic books published by Marvel Comics. The character first appears in the Century Number One in September of 2000, which I think that's when it officially, you know, went to press, and was created by Paul Jenkins and Jay Lee. So he was created in tw- in July, but he w- the people read him in September. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So he was created by Paul Jenkins and Jay Lee with uncredited conceptual contributions by Rick Vites. Uh, or Vike, because basically what ended up happening was Paul and Rick came up with the idea, but then Paul ended up being the writer and Jay Lee ended up being the artist. If that makes any sense. No, yeah, basically, man, it's the Bill Finger of it all. Yeah. So in in um, 1998, Marvel Comics, which had just filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, oh uh, my god, they contracted an independent comic publisher, Event Comics Publishing. To do their publishing, uh, because things were not going well. Two of the people who worked there, or who you know, basically ran Event Comics Publishing, were Joe Cazada and uh, Jimmy Palmiatius. I hope I'm saying that right. <laughs> well, basically, from the words of Yogi, is that the '90s Marvel was terrible, right? And now, and, he and, stands and now, by that. and now yeah, near he stands by that, and now near bankrupt. And so, um, what they ended up doing was they contracted these guys under event comic publishing to breathe new life into some of their second tier characters. So they created this imprint called Marvel Knights. And those guys were given control over characters like Black Panther, Daredevil, the Punisher and the Inhumans. Nice. And so it was their job to hire the creative teams to write these comics while Marvel published them. And that's that was the working relationship. Like you hire, so they were like freelance. Yeah, yeah, but they were freelancing they were Marvel freelance comic, comic. They were freelancing Marvel comic characters, which is crazy. Like if you think about it now, how how crazy IP is and how you know, um, oh, they try to oh, keep yeah, all that stuff together. Right that. Um, so I thought that was kind of crazy. Uh, unlike the main Marvel comics line, Kazada and his partner were encouraged to experiment. And they used their contacts in the independent comics world to bring in creators like David Mack, Mack um, Brian Michael Bendis, Garth Ennis, um, Steve Dillon. And then uh, Joe Quezada illustrated a Daredevil story written by Kevin Smith. So 
they got to open up their gates to a, a lot more ideas. A lot of independent writers, yeah. a lot of independent creators. Wow, especially the, in the the late nineties, Kevin Smith writing stuff. And that's how Garth Ennis gets Punisher. That's how we get Punisher Max, which is one of the bigger um, Punisher running storylines that people dig. So a lot of characters were able to get revamped under this. I mean, Marvel Knights is basically like those movies got made before anything else. Blade, the Ghost Rider, yeah. Daredevil. Yeah. Um, wow. You know, so, wow. Yeah, that's already three of the Marvel Knights. So already. it's, yeah. Um, so they, they, the Knights themselves or the books written on the, under the knife, Knights label stepped away from the long running story arcs and instead did like what we're reading today, which is standalone stories. Um, high production, high quality, short, uh, standalone stories about characters that aren't necessarily, you know, immensely popular. And so Paul Jenkins and Rick Veit, I hope I'm saying that right, developed an idea about an over the hell guy struggling with addiction who had a tight relationship with his dog. <laughs> that was it. That's all they had. And My they, God, like Superman on crack. And they wrote that into a proposal for Marvel Comics. Um, Jenkins conceived of the character, and he thought of him to be like a guardian type with a watchtower. And he came up with the name Sentry, which that's basically what that means, uh, somebody who watches over. Um, Veidt suggested that the character could be woven into the history of the Marvel Universe with versions of the character from the 1940s depicted in art- artistic styles matching the comics of each period. Right, also suggested. Oh yeah, that was great. It was like a, it was like a flashback. Yeah. But a flashback to a comic that never happened. Right. It, so it, even the readers don't remember Century because you're not supposed but it, to. But it looks message. like it should. It looked like it, it would fit or it should fit. The artwork and stuff yeah, that basically. you see looks like it looks like you should remember it because it looks like something familiar, which is a, the problem a lot of the characters have when they first see Century um, in the comic. That was so great about this story. It was this new war mystery thriller. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they, they, um, and this is all in the pitch. Like, they were like, okay, so what if, like, um, there was some big event that, you know, erased the memory of the century from everybody? And so, like, that Rick Veit had a lot of, to do with the idea of the century, but didn't end up writing the comic. Uh, he co-created the character with Paul Jenkins, but Paul wrote it um, and got it illustrated by somebody else. So, uh, Jay Lee. So, that's why uh, the co-creator wasn't on the first issue of the series. And I think a lot of, not a lot, but maybe one or two of those um, illustrators were have worked with Paul Jenkins before. Maybe the letterer? I think... Well, I know the writer, the writer, um, uh, the the art, the artist, Jay Lee and Jenkins worked on Inhumans together under the Marvel Knights, uh, the Marvel Knights banner. Um, it was Jenkins that that pitched the concept, this whole concept, to Joe Quesada, and Joe Quesada decided to commission the miniseries, written by Jenkins with art by Jay Lee. So, yeah, and beautiful work they ended up having. Yeah, yeah. So, I guess we can get right into it. I have Yeah, let's get right into it. My issue my only issue was for some reason I didn't remember it being I thought the whole story was in those five issues. 
I didn't realize that there was a fifth one shot or a sixth one shot that ended everything. Yeah. Um. So we're, yeah, we're... and that was the things that hit you up. Like, I think I finished the fifth issue. Had to have been like four thirty in the morning. Uh, I, I'm not gonna go back and check, but it, it had to have been like four around four in the morning. I finished the fifth issue. It was this whole conversation with uh, Reed and Sentry. And I hit you up. I was like, yo, what was the name of the next issue? Because I remember you telling me that there's this sixth issue that was its own thing that you have to read. So what I ended up doing is I ended up just typing the Sentry on Reed Comics Online. And yeah, it came up the Sentry slash the Void. Yeah. And that's the next step. in. uh, That was the last step or the last chapter in that whole story there. Um, but once you get that, that whole thing, yeah, it's, it, I know they've done more with the Sentry. I've, I've read Dark Avengers. He's a member of Norman Osborn's Dark Avengers team. Um, he's right now, he's kind of been, uh, resigned to being a crazy psychopath Superman, very much in the line of Homelander or something like that. Um, oh no, he's, he's an alcoholic superhero. Like how much, how much? How many times do you see that besides, like, I don't even know who to say. Moon Knight? Moon Knight had an addiction, right? But they get to they get to points where, with the character, where it's a characterization that he literally is paralyzed with fear. Like, the, the pure amount of power that he has causes him to just sit on the edge of his bed and not doing anything. Because he's so paralyzed by the idea of what he could do. It's crazy. There's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of holding. So there's back. a lot of nuance in this. There's like there's really a lot, of, a lot yeah. of like I fear my own power type of nuance. I hear I hear a lot of um uh what you call it, miracle man. I, I felt like it was a lot of miracle man uh going on when I read this. It, it feels like it's, no, yeah, it's he even had his own little like miracle family, like the, that guy Billy, whatever. Billy Turner. Yeah, there's his... Uh, yes, Billy Turner. That's his name. His uh, psychic or so. So um, the story starts off with Act 1, The Suit. Um, and right when we start off, there's a quote, Hell is empty and all the devils are here. Which I was like, that's uh, charming. Um, that's pretty deep for like uh, to start off on. like. Yeah. yeah, what a high note to start off on. Hell is empty and the devils are on Earth. Yep. Um, when a thunderstorm that sounds scarily like laughter wakes up mild-mannered Robert Reynolds, one thing crosses his mind. He's back. He sits up in a cold sweat, out of shape and frazzled. He screams up, waking up his wife, Lindy, who asks him what's wrong. He brushes her off, wanting to keep his concerns to himself, and tells her he just needs to let the dog out. As he goes downstairs to do so, we are alone with him and his thoughts. They seem jumbled as he's waking up from a dream as if he's waking up from a dream and he tries to remember how he got where he is now in life and even worse how the void this sinking feeling of incoming evil has returned he takes a book off the shelf and in it is an old medicine bottle suddenly we are shown this classic comic cover and we are introduced to this superhero called the century and his origins young robbie reynolds discovers the professor's secret formula takes a drink and gains the power of a thousand exploding suns. He creates a super suit, and now in the present, looks at the closed look. Bleh, sorry, looks at a closed door, knowing knowing the dormant suit is still there waiting for him. 
if the void is truly coming back, he's going to need it. He starts to reminisce about the glory days as one of Marvel's first heroes, but this is a past we don't recognize and that the current world doesn't reflect. He simultaneously remembers being a hero that fought alongside the Avengers against the Void, and yet it could all be a dream. He remembers fighting crime um, and taking that special serum and how the side effects of the Professor's formula... Um, Oh, sorry. And the side effects of taking the professor's formula for so long. The benefits of taking it were that he has limitless powers now. And seemingly, he is immortal. But the effects on his psyche are astronomical. In the present day, he walks around that, his house, lost in his own world, worrying about the void returning. Hoping to regain his wits, he takes some of the serum, which immediately causes him to writhe in pain before he mistakes his dog for the void who taunts him so badly that Robert strikes the dog. His wife, seeing the unconscious animal and empty serum bottle, leaves Robert, not being enough to handle one of his episodes. In her eyes, he's a junkie with delusions of grandeur, and he doesn't argue with her, instead letting her go. He resigns to the idea that no one remembers him, but him, and puts on a jacket with a cape attached, steps outside, and begins to fly. Uh, that, that man, listen, he put on a sweater with a towel clothespinned to his back. And that was the funniest thing I ever saw. He was like stumbling drunk, goes to his closet and grabs a sweater with a towel attached. I was cracking up. I was legit actually cracking up, but I didn't want to laugh because I'm like, damn, addiction is real, but... It's like if this whole book could be just construed as like a drunk man's delusions. Right, and I think they at least want you to think that that's a possibility. No, they definitely do. They definitely do. Um, what, did you, what did you think about the first issue here, introducing Robert Reynolds to the world? Did you think he was crazy? What did you think of uh, his story? His I'm background? not going to lie. I got a lot of... Uh, Mr. Miracle vibes like this like, like I don't know like it just felt like a a mundane day to day every man like you literally see him with a gut he has a gut right like it's hilarious like you see him with a gut and he's like drinking the, like he's standing there like naked in his like living room or whatever drinking this serum and his he looks drawn to be skinny but he still has that and like he says, thirty pounds overweight gut. Yeah, he's just out of What shape. I think about this first this first issue was very very interesting in the fact that it wanted me to read more. I couldn't yeah. put this down. It's like I couldn't put this down. This and is the, and when this I had to put it down for regular stuff. Yeah, because you just you don't get it. You don't understand. You're like, wait a minute, this is supposed to be in my head, I'm like, this is the debut of a character. What do you mean? Like, he has this history. Right. That none of us remember. And it that's the fact that none of us remember it, quote-unquote, you know, is a, the big part of this book. Um, we're actually told that we're not supposed to remember it, just like other very important characters like in the Like, you're not allowed. Yeah. 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 Um, so we get, into, weird. we get into issue two, the unicorn. 
and um, hoping to get answers and answering some familiar call in his mind, Robert goes to the construction of the Baxter building and vaguely remembers a big battle taking place there. As he reminisces, he's approached by Reed Richards, who demands to know how he managed to get by all of the security. Asking yeah, that was a weird scene for me. Not weird as like I didn't like it, but more so weird as in like, damn, they're organically giving me cameos. Like it didn't feel forced. Yeah. It was just like one minute he's he's literally perched on top of like a, a, a construction crane. The next minute I'm seeing like what's supposed to be Reed stretching up high. And then I see him and I'm like, oh my God, like this is actually an organic cameo. What is going on? It, it piqued my interest is what I was trying to say. And, um, and the thing is, I feel like another cool thing that they do is they have every time that um, Robert meets one of these characters from the past and, you know, you don't get more past and fantastic for them. Marvel's first superhero team. Um, there, he talks to them with a familiarity that they don't possess. They they talk to him like he's a stranger. But he talks to them like he not only knows them, but he been knew them. Um, and that adds to this idea that he knows something or feels something that we don't, which is crazy. No, 100%. And it, it was, I think it was in the same issue where he was just talking with Sue. And he's like, I feel like I'm supposed to remember something, but like I don't. Like it's so... It was so weird how everybody had this feeling, this good feeling in them, like, I'm supposed to remember you. But then they had this bad feeling, like, but I'm not supposed to? Like, I'm not allowed, was the words that a lot of them used. You get a a real big feeling of deja vu. Like, there is a slight familiarity (laughs) to uh, Robert Mm -hmm. Reynolds, to Sentry. But um, overall... You can't place it, and because you can't place it, you you're not sure if it's real. It feels real. If it sounds like it could be true, but because you cannot concrete remember it, they they're not allow they're not allowing themselves to um, make it true. And so, like you have Reed oh. Richards, he's the smartest guy in the world. He's smart, one of the smartest characters in the Marvel Universe, um, and he's being seemingly he's questioning himself when it comes to the the stuff with the centuries. Yeah, like the dialogue that, that that was being written for him. Like it's like he's he looks at himself as like an esoteric man. Yeah. And even then he can't figure it out. And that's what stumbles him. It's right, freaking crazy. There's no reason why this stranger and when when he meets him, he's standing on top of a crane. Like on top on the tip to be top of a crane. Like literally on top of a crane, yeah. Um and he's just wearing like like we're talking about pants, a jacket with um, a towel clothespins on the collar. It's such a great illustration because you literally see, like, the rugged waves of a towel. Yeah. And you see the brownness of a clothespin just on his sweater. It's a, it's a sweater with a, with a towel clothespin. <laughs> and it makes you laugh, but also, in a sense, it's like, all right, you know how real life is. Yeah. So you know that there's really crazy people out there on the train. You're right. It's a mental health have... thing too, yeah. So you're thinking this man is literally mentally unstable. So you you begin to feel bad for him in a sense, but it also piques your, your interest of this mystery aspect of like, yo, 
what is going on? We're literally getting these flippets, snippets in a sense, of 1940s golden age styled comic books. But then when you but come, it never when you existed. Snap, when you snap back, it's this really kind of scary look at someone who seemingly is unraveling. Like he doesn't. Yeah. You can't tell whether or not he's an, uh, a reliable narrator, and at some points we realize that he isn't. Um, Especially and, since the narration is him talking to himself, not just him talking to himself, him questioning his own self. It's like, am I really a hero? Should I be a hero? Why am I a hero? Like he's literally. That's what those panel, like the panel, the little uh, talking rectangles is him questioning himself yeah it's brilliantly written he has he has a nugget of truth which is that the century itself exists he knows this he knows that it's him um he doesn't know why other people don't remember it but he knows that he as the century was friends with a lot of other heroes so um reed you know like there's a point which bob calls reed his best friend like you were my best friend um, it to to Bob, it was like seeing old friends. But to Reed, he's he's like, "What the hell are you talking about? What the hell is going on here?" Because um, he doesn't re- remember it. And Reed is not a very superstitious character. Even the way people were saying, even the way like the right the writing is what what's so beautiful about comic book writing to me is that you get the emphasis on these character mannerisms. So anytime you see the name Bob or Robert in parentheses, you're supposed to just know. They're questioning their name, like yeah. Bob, if that even is your real name. So, like, when when Reed goes tells him, "Okay, listen, Bob," and he puts the and they write the parentheses there, it's freaking crazy. It's like, oh, right, they really don't believe him. I think um, he's just some yeah, crazy Spider- guy. Spider Man does something similar. He's like, "Oh, I I remember now. I remember that you're just crazy, Bob, <laughs> or whatever." Yeah, like. like but the way that the writing go, the lettering goes, it's like there's parentheses there as it's, if it's supposed to indicate sarcasm. Yeah. Like, all right, Bob. Um, Mr. Bob. Like, he, hilarious. He questions why Bob is up here again. And Bob simply states that he's been up there many times. He's been to this headquarters many times before and doesn't know why no one remembers him. He tells Reed to remember a wedding. Hoping that if he does, Bob can call upon himself, call upon Reed for help once the void arrives. As Reed tells him off for being crazy, Robert simply says unicorn and disappears. Richard is shocked because the word unicorn did have significance with him, but he doesn't remember why. When he goes home to meet with the rest of the Fantastic Four, he asks Sue about a wedding and a unicorn, but also notices a unicorn head ornament he's never seen before with a VHS tape under it. Uh, he can't help, he eh, he can't help, but shake off the feelings of deja vu. We flash back to the very real wedding of Robert and Lindy, where Reed is the best man, and all of the greatest Marvel heroes are there as guests. As Robert rides the train shirtless to nowhere, Reed places the VHS in his VCR. Then Robert rides the rails, and he can feel people moving away from him as his behavior and appearance gets more and more erratic. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if that was like in his head or not, but nah, it was like I'm a pretty panel sure that was, that was real. I'm pretty sure that's real. Like all that stuff is happening. Like his eyes have been kind of stained yellow or gl- glowing yellow. It's all a bit weird. Um, very weird. And so, uh, Reed plays the tape and sees himself saying, "If you found this tape, 
uh, we're all as good as dead. <laughs> uh, what did you think? What did you think Reed was hiding from himself? What do you think was going to be on this tape? I actually thought the tape was going to be the wedding. But I'm not going to lie. I thought the same thing. I can't sit here and lie to you. I thought the tape was going to be the wedding. Yeah. Once it had that like jaw, and I think Ben made the comment of, "Oh, uh, this guy doesn't know how to record a camera or whatever." Yeah. Like I thought it was gonna be the wedding. Yeah. But then you see like this jaw, and then talking, and I didn't know who the talking was, and at that point I didn't kind of want to assume. Right. But yeah, told Reed give himself some advice. Um, it seems like the more that Robert comes to grip with his reality as the century, the more powerful he becomes. As we see his real cape materialize and attach to his jacket, simply from Will. Did you see this? So that um, in the third issue, uh, the clothespins disappear and they turn into sentry symbols. Um, and his cape gets longer. It's no longer just oh, like yeah, a blanket. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But that, that's what I was just about to say because you said I think it's all real. It's not in his head. That's when it starts getting to seem like if it's real. But yeah. that whole scene where he's on the train and he's like, people are telling you, uh, people are looking at you and they're getting scared. Yeah. No, I can see that. So once the clothespins turn to silver, I mean, not silver, uh, the S's, it was crazy. Yeah, because it almost seems like he's, he's materializing his own will. Like, he wants to be the sentry, so it's it's just happening. Um, he goes to talk to the Hulk, who recognizes him. Back with the Fantastic Four, Reed on tape is telling our Reed the dangers of the Void, the sentry, and Robert Reynolds when the entire VCR explodes unexplainably. Robert and Hulk have a heart-to-heart -heart where Robert does his best to remind Hulk of sentry and warns him that the Void is close to returning and we are shown that around the world, things are just dying. Uh, Reed, one if not the smartest hero in Marvel, deduces that all systems have Robert Reynolds listed as dead, which makes him believe someone is hiding a secret. While atop a, atop a skyscraper, Reynolds is approached by Spider-Man, who doesn't recognize him. He tells him Peter should remember, but, they, but it doesn't ring a bell, so he hands Peter a picture he took of him. But instead, Peter just sees a blank piece of, eh, piece of paper. Robert explains that he's the sentry, and while working for the Bugle, Spidey as Peter took a picture of him. Bob reminds him that they also fought the Void together, but Peter doesn't buy it, even after seeing him fly away from the building. Reynolds tells him to check out the misnumbered issues of Clarion for the answers. In a secret compartment, Reed unearths a folder with information on Sentry and the Void, when he is approached by Dr. Stephen Strange. He begs Strange to tell him what's going on uh, with Reynolds, but Strange simply tells him the world is going, is, going, eh, is going to go through a rude awakening as we remember exactly who and what Robert is. He says he can choose to leave the mystery alone and ensure we all do, or get the answers that he seeks and see the universe end. So, we're dealing with some big stuff over here on this side. I'm not going to lie. This was, the end, wait, this was the end of the third one, right? Where Strange comes. Yeah. So, I thought that was Void. 
Oh, showing up to talk shit? <laughs> yeah, no, I thought it was literally Void showing up to talk shit. Oh, okay. I mean, Doctor Strange is drawn here a little bit creep creepier. Well, I think everybody is drawn creepier. A little creepier than they, they usually uh, look. Um, and that, you know, Strange always no, looks a bit yeah, strange. Like, so. like his, his cape... Or whatever you would call it, um, uh, cloak, whatever. Yeah. What is, um, it had like stars and knights and universe in it. Oh, uh, that's just, I guess that's just cool. That's a just cool aesthetic, huh? So that's what it made me seem like, okay, this is definitely the void. Right. Because we're only like three comics in at this point. No, but it's strange, and I guess very similar to World War Hulk, we're starting to realize that some of these smart guys are in cahoots, you know, um, with some kind of probably nefarious plan or idea. Um, at this point, are you curious as to what exactly Strange is talking about? Like, do you have any ideas as to what he's talking about? It's weird because he, it, this, after, especially after like Benedict Cumberbatch's, like, uh, in, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Adaptation of, of, uh, or his version of his portrayal? Strange. His portrayal of Strange. So, like, he has this very, like, Dr. Manhattan y talk. Like, if I was to tell you, well, then time wouldn't be time. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It would go off track and time needs to continue. Yeah, because this is the second time we have th – th this is that, – that cliffhanger for issue three is very similar to the cliffhanger of issue two. The cliffhanger for issue two is the uh, – is Reed telling himself that, you know, the world is seemingly going to end. No, and yeah, because he looks at that, like, unicorn with, with Sue, and it was funny because he asked Sue, have you ever seen that unicorn before? And she's like, I, I don't know. I don't even know how long it's been there. And that's when you get that first clue of what the hell is going on. Yeah, it's, but very much like Freddy Krueger, like the more you remember Sentry, the more he seems to materialize. Because, you know, he had that picture of himself that he gives to Peter that Peter doesn't see him in until And he even tells Peter, yeah. he's like, you know, check out the magazines. Right. Check out why there's misprints, why there's missing dates. Yeah. Um, so we get to act four. I love how these are acts and not issues. Um, act four is the conspiracy. So Reed demands Strange stop talking in riddles. So Strange shows him a conversation they had where Reed, while getting ready to turn on a huge machine, tells Strange that if anyone ever remembers the sentry, to make sure he does whatever he can to make everyone forget. Stephen in present day then asks Reed, can he take his own advice and just walk away from this? As Angel of the X-Men goes through drills near the X-Mansion, Professor X can feel Robert Reynolds call to him. Through telepathy, Robert begs Xavier to remember him, even if he has to probe Bob's mind to do so. Xavier does and suddenly remembers knowing the sentry, asking him where he's been. Robert tells him there's no time for an explanation. The void is coming and it's going to be bad. Snapping out of their psychic link, Xavier can cancels all his plans, saying they have preparations to make. 
Elsewhere, we see the Void as a black cloud of negative thoughts and energy take out some members of the fictional superhero team, Superheroes of Europe. I've never seen any of these heroes before. I went out of my way to go look them up because I was like, Are they the like, uh, it, was it made just for the comic? Yes. Uh, to my knowledge, they don't do uh-huh. anything else past this story. Um, it kind of reminded me of when I was reading um, Into the Spider, not Into the Spider-Verse, but the Spider-Verse whole thing. Like there was like that Captain Britain Spider-Man. Yeah. So it was reminding me like, I was thinking, isn't there like British Marvel teams, British DC teams that are out there? Yeah. Um, they've, they, and you also have like Alpha Force, which is a, or Alpha Flight, sorry, which is a Canadian based superhero team so that's what i thought it was at first just like one of the a weird offshoot multicultural team but no they seem to have made these people up these uh the superheroes of europe what did i say it was called the uh uh yeah superheroes of europe s-h-e the she at the daily bugle peter rifles through copies of clarion looking for the missing issues it turns out issue 743 is missing, and its editor said it isn't allowed to exist, uh, or we are not allowed to remember it. As his memories start to come back to him, the cover of, four, of 743 changes to the picture Robert showed him on the skyscraper. Robert angrily confronts Tony Stark, demanding to know why everyone has forgotten him, and he wants to know what they did. In a flashback, we see that because of some unknown revelation... The Avengers and Sentry, uh, the Avengers and Sentry included, decided that for Earth to survive, the Sentry must die. Robert remembers Tony going to bat for him, but wants to know who decided to kick him out. But Tony doesn't remember. Before leaving, Robert tells Stark that the Void is coming. And Tony says, God help us all. We see a dream where the Sentry has a sidekick named Billy, who is a horrible, who is horribly injured by the Void. And all of a sudden, a uh, armless man, the real Billy, wakes up horribly scared. I'm sorry, horribly scarred, and tells his mom it's just a dream. Uh, Robert descends from flight, and his jacket and pants burn away, revealing his super suit. As he walks down the Manhattan streets, he seems to see something no one else can a dark black tower that served as his fortress some time ago. So, I, my favorite part of this issue was definitely Xavier ignoring Angel's, <laughs> uh, I guess, um, side mission or whatever. Like, he's training Angel, but the whole time he's having a conversation with what could possibly be the most powerful slash dangerous superhero in Marvel's universe. He's just having, like, a mental DM moment with Robert Reynolds. And I thought that was pretty uh, interesting there. Um, oh, no, that was an awe. Awesome, awesome. Uh, I I, I want to use the word scene, but it's not a movie, so I can't use scene. But I still want to use the word scene, so I'm gonna use it. That was an awesome scene to me. Just him, like he has his like head tilted back, and him and like Sentry are talking telepathically, and Xavier like remembers him. Yeah. But fears that he's not supposed to, but also fears why he's not supposed to. It was great. And like I said, these they they're making it a point to talk to. He's making it a point to talk to the smartest members of the Marvel universe. You know, the Hulk 
whatever. But Bruce Banner is an incredibly intelligent scientist. Professor X, you know, uh, he can probe the minds of geniuses. And he's a, he's a genius in his own right. Reed Richards, the same thing. Spider-Man is, is a genius. Um, and none of these very, very smart science-based, uh, you know, this little group of in- intelligence, none of them seems to understand what's going on. But all of them, at the thought or provocation of the void, seems terrified. So they're doing a really, really g- uh, great job setting up the void as this big bad that we haven't even really seen yet. Um, that's going to do some some crazy stuff. I also like that we have that little moment, like we were talking about with Miracle Man, like Kid Miracle Man esque, where the, very very the Kid Miracle Man esque. Yeah, the sidekick of of Sentry is having a dream. I, I'm guessing he really was the sidekick of Sentry one day, and then uh, was viciously attacked by the Void, and then got his memory wiped like everybody else. So I wonder what he thinks happened to his arm. That's crazy. Like he's laying there scarred. Obviously the void did some terrible, terrible things uh, to him. But he doesn't remember it. So he's just living a normal life. And he doesn't know that any of his wounds were a cause of his lifestyle as a superhero. Which is a huge revelation. Um, But he doesn't even have that right now. He still thinks it's all a dream. So I thought that was a cool little... um, Thing. I love all the artwork. I love the use of shadows. Like I said, usually the um, heroes are drawn very brightly and very well lit. Um, everything is very visible. But in these stories, there's a lot of shadows. There's a lot of uh, people. Half of people's faces being covered when they talk. Almost like we're not seeing the full picture. There's still things hidden. Um, behind the writing, behind the artistry, behind the story that they're trying to tell, behind the memories. Um, every issue that we read is another uncovering of some sort of secret or maybe a truth um, that we didn't fully know or understand at first. It just seemed like um, we got the full story and every issue we find out, nope, the story that we know is not the story that actually exists. And I think that's what keeps you on your toes reading all these issues. Um, we get to issue five. Yeah, you're right. You're oh, right. Go you're right. That 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 the thing it was it was the mi- I guess mystery would be the best word to use, but it was the mystery of do these people remember them or don't? Because I'm not gonna sit here and lie as if I don't trust the credibility of Hulk. Right. He went after he went to read, he went to Hulk. Yeah. He didn't know what else to do. And then when he went to Hulk, Hulk's like, golden boy, get away, golden boy. I'm not supposed to remember you, golden boy. But it was weird because in my head, I'm assuming that Bruce, as normal person, was around for whatever was going to happen. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that his subconscious or back of his mind isn't going to be the Hulk's mind. So whatever he doesn't want to remember that he quote unquote locks away in the corners of his memory, Hulk will remember. Because that's what I'm saying. Like I, I wonder, I wonder if that's the case. If it's this idea that the Hulk mind is too dominant to mind wipe, maybe, maybe Bruce Bruce was successfully mind wiped, but the Hulk's is too dominant or too like always fighting against it or something. I I don't know because no, you're, this is you're not right. a this you're is right. not a this isn't a, as we find out. 
in the next issue, this isn't a situation where they pressed a button on a machine and the machine did like a, a neuralizer kind of thing and wiped everybody's mind. There's a constant running machine. There's a constant running transmitter on a tower. Are we going to? Are we doing spoiler territory? No, that's the next issue. Okay, because I was trying to stay away from spoilers with the whole, that, whole that, talk. That—that's the next issue. Um, uh, once inside the tower, the Sentry speaks to Clock, a robotic intelligence system that assists him very much like Kellex to Superman. He sees a transmitter because this is this is his headquarters. It's just somehow hidden from. It's the like world. that a uh, robot that follows around. Uh, Oh, damn, what's his name? Uh, Booster Gold. Yeah, Skeets. Yeah. Skeets. Yeah. See, I didn't want to say it because I didn't know if that was actually the name or if I was just being a pervert for a second. Right. Um, yeah, so he's talking, he's talking to his Skeets. He sees a transmitter built, and it's fueled by his super serum that has been on and blocking people from their memories of Robert and the Sentry. He asks Clock to disable it, but Clock is like, he can't. And if Sentry tries to disable it, Clock tells him it will disable Clock and render the assistant useless. Bob asks Clock... Who well, is yeah, like if he tries to override the system, it'll kill his whole system. Yeah. Um, Bob asks Clock, who was the last person to give an order here? And the machine replies, Reed Richards. At the X-Mansion, the X-Men grow weary as Professor X seems utterly spooked by the danger coming their way. Yeah, like this was... This was actually really crazy because I, I think this was like my personally in comic book wise first time seeing Xavier like preparation style for the end of the world. Right. Like this man was literally like he wasn't in Cerebro. He was sitting in front of an actual computer monitoring seismic energy across the entire globe. Right. Yeah. Or how do you pronounce that? Is it psionic? Yes, psionic. Mental. P S I O N I C. That's psionic. Yep. Then yeah, he was he was like 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 monitoring psionic energy. My gosh. Yeah, and because like, that's the, what the storm was. Yeah. And you, that's how you set up. Like I, you know, just a quick tangent. I really like, um, and every every show, every piece of medium that's brand new has to find a way to introduce. They're big bad. Uh, we spoke a little bit about this in uh, when in our conversation about Agent Carter because there's an instance in which they show they bring in this uh, mafia. He's not a big bad, but he's definitely a villain. And they go, they do the mafia thing. And the mafia thing is, you show a mafia villain, you show him be incredibly charismatic and funny, and almost even a little bit friendly. Somebody back, somebody in the background, uh, one of his henchmen does something silly or stupid possibly very trivial and small and he does something very violent to them so you've the, seen it you've the seen fish it a million Mooney, times. the kingpin the the uh falcone yeah it's oh it it's it's in everything it's it, so. it, it's literally the cliche of showing that your big bad mafia guy is actually not one to mess with yeah but the what the trope that is also used a lot but i don't think used enough is the word of mouth um I remember feeling. I remember watching John Wick, and I remember talking during it because I watched it at home. Um, I told my roommate, "I go, I really like how the beginning of this story just sets up the legend of John Wick. It's everyone just talking about John Wick. You haven't seen him do anything yet, 
but everyone talks oh, about uh, him in a reverence and a what fear. What the hell was his name? Baga Baga Gita or something? Uh, Baba like Yaga. That? Baba Yaga. Yeah. The the boogeyman. Yeah. Um. So everyone's just talking about this man, and I just think that like that that that's I I always like that because your your expectations are set high, but um. You don't really know where to set them in, in the first place. It's the same thing with the Kingpin. Like, we didn't see Kingpin for the first couple episodes of that show. He was always talked about. And when everyone... Oh, remember when season people one, yeah. When people would speak his name and he wasn't around, they would get killed. We were just showing the pure power that, was it, that he had. Just talking about him was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. The pure power he had. I like that. I like that trope more than the... You think I'm, I'm personable... And I'm sane, but I'm actually really crazy. As a matter of fact, well, that, was, that also that happened with Tuco. five episodes, not five episodes, the five issues of the freaking, of Sentry. Yeah. Was you just hearing about the Void, that he is going to destroy the world. Right. And it's not an over, it's not an over-exaggeration from Robert Reynolds. This fear of the world destruction um, is shared by uh, Xavier, other really, really smart people, which is like, that, that should tell you something. Um, back at the watchtower, Sentry disables the transmitter. Uh, he notices that it's really easy to disable, but he disables it. And people start to, all over the world, start to remember him again. Sentry himself starts to regain memories, and he remembers his funeral. But he also remembers Reed Richards slandering his name, calling him a traitor. Yeah, that was a crazy, that was a, a whole crazy, I guess, page Yeah, to read. Where it was just like, it was cutting to like, Everybody remembering him, uh, Robert. And the crazy oh yeah, we start seeing the, the posters. Him. The posters start to like re. Yeah, and, and they they did that like a narration of Billy picks up a, a trunk that's been locked under his bed for years, and even he doesn't know why it's been under his bed. And then he he looks at a poster and there's a wall like a memory that he doesn't know. Like it's so crazy. Yeah, that whole. It's the mystery behind who is Sentry, and for a debut character, I love it. It it's not so. It's a goal for comic characters to create a character that feels like they already could have existed years ago, but this one goes to takes that idea and logic tenfold, and literally builds him into the Marvel universe, saying other people forgot, you know, um, and that he is the actual one to motivate and inspire the other heroes to be who they are which is it's a hell of a feat um yeah robert goes to meet with lindy who apologizes for believing him the two share words and robert expresses betrayal over reed's narrative suddenly the dog starts to bark and a being of pure evil energy with black tendrils appears lifting Lindy from the air and taunting the sentry. It is the void. That was literally probably the most, that was probably the most annoying word to read. Infinite tendrils. Yes. Infinite tendrils. Black oh my God. tendrils. Whatever that is. And it was, it, it was so terrible because there was no, it was, they made it a compound word. They yeah. didn't put the apostrophe or the, yeah, it's an apostrophe. They didn't put the apostrophe there to let you know that you have to read two different words. It was literally infina tendrils. Yeah. One word. Yeah. That, and they kept saying it 
the entire <laughs> fifth and sixth issue. They kept saying infinitendrils, infinitendrils. And I, 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 by like the hundredth time, I just read over it. Once I, like, my eyes Yeah, I call them just word. tendrils. Because that's the same thing you call um, whatever Carnage makes up of his goo. Same thing with No, because Venom. it's, it's ribbons. That's what ribbons are. Yeah, tendrils. They're tendrils. Yeah. Um, his tendrils remind me of Hellas. How Hella could just make those sharp black weapons um, oh yeah because it was like like right out of her like it was in her crown like jagged you see, like her crown yeah. had yeah she could basically materialize these black jagged um weapons but yeah she boom we have that we have the void here the first kind of real showing of the void scary black jagged black lines everywhere um sentry asks what the void wants and he says to devour the entire universe void drops lindy from the sky and disappears Sentry catches her, and she tells him the Void sent a message. It's, you know the answer, look inside. Did you have any yeah, idea Yeah, that was the whole thing about, about the... <laughs> um, at that point, I wasn't... I guess I wasn't reading into it. Like, I right. was so enthralled by the content that I was reading I was, that I wasn't really trying to put my own interpretation on it. I was just reading, reading and reading. And what was so crazy about the void was is before, I guess I'm not gonna lie. Before Sentry uh, dash void or Sentry slash void, you don't see his face at all. He's yeah. either a voice, like a voice narrating in a head, or you just get the illustration of these tendrils on a cape. And like, he's very, he's, not... he's very right. Like he's very um, negative and very confrontational and like the way he oh, speaks perfect villain to perfect to, villain to um robert the things that he says to robert is like wow he's just he's just he, he's, I, I can't say he's violent in his in his words but you get what i'm saying right like there's a level of aggression i guess i would say that ekes from the void you just get this level of just dread and anger it reminded and aggression me a lot and, of mr nobody it yeah. really it reminded me a lot of Mr. Nobody that like mocking. He's there, but not there. It's mocking. It's like I know what the ending is gonna be. I'm just gonna have fun while I get there. Like, yeah. It was re- it was really awesome. There was so many like reading this. I was getting these not references, but ideas of so many different stories and TVs that I've watched before. Like I like I told you, like like a lot of the whole century was reminding me of Wally West and Heroes in Crisis. Oh, trying to get people to remember him? Like he's a... Like even he couldn't remember. Yeah. And then that whole weight of being the savior of the universe, of existence, was like too much for him. Right. <laughs> that was a lot it was of it. Cr- there, was a lot of, there, there was a lot of mental health commentary in here that really spoke to me. Like even in the first issue, when like you think the void is taking over his dog and then the next thing you know he's kicking his dog right and even that issue that that image there the dark and uh, you know the dark infinitendrils and um you know these uh sharp black lines across the screen um all emanating out of this little puppy like just the the image is just weird right it's like it's a juxtaposition of this cute animal and this very dangerous uh entity that we will learn um, basically plague sentry. Um, the reason why I, 
ask about the, you know, the answer, look, uh, look inside, is because there's ultimately a, a revelation dropped at the end of this series um, that just like every great mystery, Knives Out most recently was pretty good. Yeah. Um, oh, great. If you've wa- if you've watched the mystery, it's sometimes hard to watch the uh, rewatch it with somebody who hasn't, because with you to you, everything's obvious. <laughs> because yeah. now you're watching it with the answer in your head, and well, so now I mean, you're watching it to see if, like, it, if, if it pulled it off. Stuff like Knives Out didn't like get me like I didn't know what was going on. Like, yeah, I guess in the obvious sense, the way most filmmakers, the way most writers, not just movies, TV, books, comic books, the way most writers introduce their character, it's almost poetic that you're supposed to know who they are. Like, for example, Tony Stark. Mm -hmm. When they very, very first showed Tony Stark in in this comic book, and he was in, like, a room full of people, the way I knew he was Tony Stark is that everybody's skin color specifically, not just the background, but their skin color was all this teal blue, and Tony was literally the only character in an entire blue background that had this orange, peach skin tone like a tint. color yeah. to him. So it, and to me, my head goes complimentary. Tony has the orange skin tone while the entire panel has a blue skin tone. Blue and orange are complementary. It's it's almost poetic right. the way they introduce characters, whether good or bad. So you know, by like for Knives Out, for example, by Chris Evans, it's the whole John Wick aspect of it. They keep talking about the grandson. They keep talking about the grandson. The grandson doesn't care. The grandson's gonna show up. The grandson this. The grandson that. And then you finally meet Chris Evans as this asshole eccentric grandson, and you're like, oh, that's the bad guy. Yep, that's one hundred percent. I know it. Yeah, <laughs> like like the like it's so obvious. It was it was my problem. For example, watching Batman: Mask of the Phantasm, I haven't actually seen start to finish Batman: Mask of the Phantasm since it was on VHS. Well, we, so we, now we got it. We got Netflix, it. We got to kind of leave it at that in case some people haven't seen it. But let's but, leave it at but, that. But but I get I, but I, I get I get one hundred percent what you're saying. It, it, you know what we know we can do. You know we can you know obvious. you know what we can do hush. 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 Yes, so you already we know. watch Hush. When I was reading Hush, it's kind of obvious who Hush is because there's only one new character brought in. The movie goes to great lengths to change that for us, which makes no sense. Because <laughs> then there was no point in any of it. But um, I get exactly what you mean. It's like, you know, like five people have been in this story this entire time. Everyone's fine. One person gets introduced and then all of a sudden there's a death. Who was the killer? Probably the new guy. Because everything was fine until the new guy showed up, so it's it's kind of the same thing here, um, and so I, I was a little bit I was reading through this, a little bit uh, trepidatious that you would figure out what was going on, early on, which is why I asked um, whether or not you caught on to what she was saying with the whole look inside thing. Honestly, no. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't catch it. it when the ball. I'm glad that I didn't catch it because when the ball dropped and I had no idea what was going on, it felt better. Right. I remember I told you. I said 
do me a favor and try not to look up the century. <laughs> I was yes. like, before you get into it, usually you do a little didn't. bit of light, a light. You usually do a little bit of light research, and I understand that too. Sometimes when I'm watching a new show, especially if it's a comic book show, I try to get some background so I don't feel completely lost in what I'm supposed to be watching, how I'm supposed to be feeling towards certain things. But uh, the great part about this story was this was the introduction. So you you're coming in just as new as everybody else. They don't have any background, any more background than you do on this. Um, but as I'm reading, I'm like, oh, that's kind of obvious. Oh, that's kind of, you know, because I know I know what the ending is. The same way if you would have watched Knives Out with somebody who hasn't, you're going to pick up on everything. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. It was kind of obvious that, you know, who it was, etc. So I thought that was one of the other interesting aspects of this story was that um, it's laying the breadcrumbs for the eventual reveal. Drops, Lindy. All kinds of anomalies affect Earth, weather anomalies. So Sentry begs the heroes of Marvel to join him in his stand against the Void or the Earth will be destroyed. Hulk is the first to answer the call even though he's afraid of the void, but the other heroes follow suit soon after, including Captain America, Spider-Man, Thor, and even Billy Turner, Robert's old psychic. That was kind of, he's like, I got to do this, mom. Trust me. And he gets into his car and he drives out to the old Liberty Island. When Reed Richards shows up, Sentry accosts him for slandering him at his funeral. Reed states that none of this makes sense, but Sentry remains stubborn and confrontational with Reed. As the heroes await the void, Sentry has a terrifying thought. What if he isn't the hero after all? And that's basically the ending of the five-issue series. So I read that fifth issue about ten times. Like, I know I'm missing something because I know what the reveal is here. And and everyone's just kind of waiting for a fight. When does the fight happen? I remember being very confused. I was. Because I, I completely remembered thinking... Yeah, that was a that weird was all just ending. Together. Like, yeah. how do you end like that? Yeah. You're, getting, you're, you're setting up for one of the biggest, most consequential uh, fights ever in Marvel history. Um, and yeah, nothing. So, you have to go from there to the one-shot, the Sentry and the Void. When you get there... You see that the heroes wait on Liberty Island for the Void to appear. Before he does, all of the heroes all feel the same intense feelings of dread before they are picked apart by the purely malicious force as it arrives. Um, as Reed tries to warn Angel of an incoming attack from the Void, Doctor Strange stops time to talk to Richards. Richard brings up how Robert was adamant that he was betrayed and starts to remember how a long time ago, when the Void attacked, he killed billions of people. And destroyed a bridge. He then connects the dots, and it is revealed. Bum bum bum. The century is the void. How'd you feel about that? That was reveal? such a crazy man. It was it was so poetically nuanced because to, to to like I I can look at it in the comic book fantasy sense of he had the evil spirit in him all along. That's that cliche. Yeah. But it was also the his alcoholism is a plague to everybody he knows, and the only way to save our skin is to forget that this man ever existed. There was so much 
craziness. Yeah, it could be incredibly layered in the sense that you could be your own worst enemy. You know, just because you've done great things doesn't mean that you're not incapable of doing very horrible things. There's a lot of messages. I don't know if they're all there. No, but, that but was, there's a lot of stuff that, to pick was, up. And it was there during the, the eulogy that uh, Reed gave for Sentry. Yeah. It was like, you know, this man made him seem like a hero, but he did a lot of bad things. Like, that's real life to what people try and tell themselves when they have to cut ties with a substance abuser. Like, he may have had, we may have had good times together. We may have been buddies, but he was no hero in, inside of himself. Like, yeah, crazy. Oh, and we're on Sentry slash Void, right? Yeah. Um, so, like, one of the bigger things is that uh, when this happens, when when the heroes, because I, I, I it's it's loose notes uh, for the rest of this because I feel like it's it's more conceptual than factual. Yeah. So when this happens, when the void, the last time the void and the sentry fought, billions of people died, mass destruction, bodies on top of each other. That all reminded me of Miracle Man. Of Kid, remember, remember that fight with Kid Miracle Man and uh, Miracle Man, um, and there's just bodies, literal bad bodies everywhere, uh, just go- blood and gore. That's what that reminded me of. Um, and so, it is as a result of realizing that the Sentry is the Void and is culpable to these deaths. He's responsible to those deaths. Kind of, sort of. You know, I don't know how much you are. Well, how much, how much blame or responsibility do you put on Sentry for the Void? Uh, I see. To say that I can't blame a person for his inner right, actions right. Yeah. is it's irresponsible. Right. Like we we're humans. This isn't a fantasy setting. This isn't some. You know, Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones. We are humans, and there are actual consequences to our actions. Right. So, if he really is the Sentry, uh, not the Sentry. If the Void only came because of his substance abuse towards the Sentry Super Serum, then he is culpable for his crimes. Right. As much, yes, like Reed says, uh, like Reed said, he may have killed millions, but he saved tens of millions. It doesn't matter. He still killed. A percentage. And if you can still kill millions, like that's. Is that risk worth it? I guess ultimately think of all is what the, it comes out. Think to. of all of the lives that guys like Stalin and Lenin and, and Trotsky and Hitler saved by killing millions. Right. Like it's the good. The good does not outweigh the many. Like the needs of the few do outweigh the needs of the many in a sense. Well, or. 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 The needs of the few. Or also the the idea like the the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Like you can start off always, thinking always, that you have always, a beneficial, uh, or you know, you can start off thinking that you're doing a bunch of good, but your bad could outweigh that good if you're not looking at all perspectives. And so, some people like do you think any of them outright look at him as a villain, as a ticking time bomb, as a because years before they this story came out, or years after this story came out will end up getting World War Hulk, which is a very similar, you're a ticking time bomb, so we have to kind of get rid of you to not risk when you go off, you know, situation. 
So do you think that they were looking at him as a villain at one point after all this? They definitely they it's uh, I don't it's weird because it's like they weren't looking at him intentionally as a villain, but there was still a subconscious of him that they had to admit is villainous. Like, don't get it twisted. I'm not saying like because if God forbid I it was revealed that I killed a million hamsters, right? <laughs> You're my friend. You know me inside and out. But how much do you know me if you didn't know I killed a million hamsters? <laughs> that is true. It's like how like how many secrets can you hide if you're hiding one secret that's like detrimental to all the secrets? And if I can do that, what else am I capable of? That's also another thing. Like if you're if you're capable of being the void and literally sucking the soul of existence, what are you capable of? I think the whole idea of the void is incredibly frightening. Like I like how his word bubbles are and those black just the blackness that he occupies. Does that make sense? Yeah. But um back in reality or back in real time, the sentry goes to battle with the living embodiment of all his negative thoughts and he resigns himself that they are destined to battle to the end. That's when I feel like things got weird. I don't know if you remember, but it's a page where the void seemingly is coming out of Sentry, and they're both just like, they're like in a collar-elbow tie-up. Oh, yeah, no, um, they're like they're literally in at like each the Cosmos yelling at each other. Yeah. yeah, and Sentry feels this level of calm. Did you remember that? He's like, I feel calm. I feel like we're going to battle, we're meant to battle, and we're just going to do this forever. Like yeah, forever, like the whole like the whole of reality, time and all of cosmos and, just right, and die, it's like, but we'll be here. It was like Doctor Manhattan's level of omnipotence, right? It was like we started this, we started this with a regular fat man waking up from a dream. <laughs> you understand? And we're at a point now where he's in the sky yelling at his uh, alter ego, who is the living embodiment of all his negative energy, turned on, turned against him. Like things got very metaphysical very fast, and as I said, it the gets... whole thing that got that got me crazy. The whole thing that was like pissing me off was like when it was revealed that it was the Avengers that banned him, World War Hulk style. They weren't talking about you're the void, you're the this, you're the that, you're the embodiment of evil. They were literally just saying, "Do you or do you not admit that your alcohol, that uh, your addiction to the serum, is what's plaguing you?" Like. They were yeah. going to great lengths to make sure that whole I'm the sentry thing is a twist. Yeah. And I love it. Um, yeah, they, that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, in the issue pr- prior to this, or, or I think, yeah, it was the issue prior to this. You realize that the, the Avengers kicked him out, sort of, kind of. But they kicked him out after it was revealed that something happened. We just never found out what that revelation was. So it's, it's it just looks like he kind of messed up or maybe he's an alcoholic. Maybe he showed up late on Tuesday. But something happened and now people are voting him out. And the whole idea is that for that, once he realizes that and remembers that, he goes to great lengths to find out who, who kicked me out, who said that the right thing to do was to take me out of the Avengers and it's revealed that it's him. He's the one that says, for all intensive purposes, the Sentry has to go. He realizes how bad his effects are with everything. 
you know, Reed and Strange try their best to remember who, who sent Sentry away in the first place. And it was revealed that it's Robert's idea. Knowing that if he could remember... Um, knowing that if he could remember that he is the Sentry, he would always try to be it. He asks Reed to build something that could wipe his mind. And so all of this betrayal that Robert has been facing... He was part of the whole... He helped build the transmitter. That's why the transmitter was easy to take apart. Um, he helped set up Clock with the virus of, and, 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 you know, to, to make sure that he doesn't answer certain specific questions if it had to do with the memory of him. Um, he's the one who set Reed to dirty his name at his funeral. He told him to do that because he thought that it would help him... Um, like, it'll help people forget him. And so, yeah, at every turn to help people forget, Sentry uh, was there. So in the beginning of the story, we start off with him not remembering who he is and trying to remember why he doesn't remember. And all of that is things that machinations he put in place to make to ensure that everyone was going to be okay. Um, so this entire time, we're trying to find out who was this bad guy and why can't sentry help and we realize that sentry's the bad guy that's why he can't help that's why he needs to be benched that's why he needs to you know be taken off the board and so the idea ends up being well then we know what we have to do we have to do the same thing we did last time we have to get the transmitter back on we have to turn the machine back on and we have to get it to a point where uh he doesn't remember anything anymore and so, uh, that's ultimately what they end up doing. They have to talk to Robert about it, but he's down and he agrees that that's what they should do. And so like the next couple of, of issues and panels are, um, the void just yelling at Robert, telling him not to make this decision because he's basically a God. And that's a lot of his inner headspace is like, he can do ab absolutely anything. Why would he take this moment? To try to surrender and um, and do this. Why would we take this moment to try to get everyone to forget him? Um, why why surrender all this power that he has? And it's it's kind of touching. It's kind of personal. It's kind of you know um, to save the world. He has to handicap himself in a way, but it's also saving the world from himself. And he did makes that decision. He turns that transmitter back on and basically goes back into a life of obscurity. Uh, thanking Clock, thanking the Avengers for everything, thanking um, Reed, um, and going back to his regular life. And no one else could remember him. When we get back to him, him and Lindy are stopping at a restaurant to go get a burger place to go get some food. Um, not remembering anything, not remembering anything about the Sentry, about the Void or any of that stuff. Uh, and they eventually end up getting into the burger pl uh, place, and their waiter is Billy Turner, the one-armed sidekick of the Sentry. And even though they both shared the fact that they were superheroes fighting alongside of each other, um, they he doesn't remember him because of the whole transmitter and the memory wipe. Yeah, he's the only one that remembers, I'm guessing. Um... It was kind of weird. It seemed like he was the only one that remembered. He kind of remembered, yeah. He doesn't recognize him, but he kind of remembers the whole chili dog. and He has a familiarity. Again, the deja vu. 
which is something that happens a lot in this story. And that basically what ends that whole story about the century. Um, yeah, it was such a man. That was that ending was like melancholy, in a sense. Yeah, yeah, it's a sunrise sunset kind of thing because um, the story started off with us not knowing about him. The story ends up with basically everyone ignoring him again. Uh, in the future, he ends up coming back. He ends up, like I said, being a part of a side of the Avengers. He's a bit out of control. He's still dealing with a lot of the stuff with Lindy and the Void. The Void is still very much a part of the Sentry every time he shows up. Yeah, I heard there was danger. a whole retcon. Eventually, it's explained that um, they, uh, uh, a supervillain called Mastermind, who was part of the Dark Phoenix saga, he's a real big um, mastermind. He He's really good at being able to affect people's... Psyche in the sense that he can change what they see, smell, taste, touch, and hear. He can really just mind screw you. Go all out with that. Yeah. And so he was he put on like a mental thing to stop him from remembering and becoming the void and all that kind of stuff. They kept tra- changing it over and over again. But this was the original story. That's this is the version I like the most. Um, it's by the books. He's the main character. There's no doubt about that. There is no real mustache twirling villain. It's all him, which is a bit of a twist. Um, he's just out of control in general. And even though they didn't list it here, I wanted to take a second um, and list the superpowers that are known of the century. Because he's Oh, he's got a lot. I read them. Yeah, they got a lot. Yeah, he's considered one of Marvel's uh, greatest superheroes. Especially with the idea that his like tagline is he has the power of a thousand exploding suns. So he has uh, molecular, molecular manipulation. Which, you know, like the, if he can manipulate molecules, then that's how he's able to create a super suit out of thin air. He has time manipulation. He has superhuman strength, speed, and stamina. He has a regenerative healing factor. He has light manipulation. Darkness manipulation, complete invulnerability. He has psionic powers. He has flight. He has enhanced senses. He has matter manipulation. He has energy absorb- ab- absorption slash projection. He has immortality, teleportation, telepathy, astral projection, weather manipulation, invisibility, mind or thought projection, shape shifting, super durability. Mind control resistance, reality warping, power bestowal, which I mean he gets to get, give you power, resurrection, life creation, soul manipulation, a death touch, attack and energy reflection, aura detection, empathy and emotion manipulation, and he has an incredible intellect. That is a lot. Um, it's like the Superman of Marvel. Yeah, and but imagine if the Superman of Marvel had mental issues, though. That would not be something that people want to... Oh, so Superman under Tom King. Yeah, hopefully not. Hopefully not. Um, during... I don't know. That was all I kept thinking about. I was like, I don't think I could read this kind of book under Tom King as much as I love that man to death. This would. This is already a depressing story. At one point, it was hinted at in the comics that his powers might actually come 
from what we consider the Judeo-Christian God himself. With uh, Lindy, his wife, believing that his powers were maybe of a bi biblical proportions. So, you know, and they once uh, compared the void to being the angel of death. So there might be some sort of higher power working out here uh, with the sentry. One of the sentry's other tropes is he likes to rip people in half. There are many, 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 many panels of him grabbing somebody by the throat, grabbing them by the waist, and ripping them in half. With, the, with all of the viscera just splattering everywhere. That's what I'm saying. He doesn't really have... He has the same powers as Superman. He has a lot of a lot of more a lot more powers than Superman, but he doesn't have the depth touch. He doesn't have the history of goodwill with the people. He doesn't have the Boy Scout background, any of that stuff. He's just he's he's like an attack dog. You know, and I think that's what that's why Norman Osborn put him on the Avengers, this idea that if his Avengers are not gonna be all that honest, he might as well keep the watchdog in the house, right? Then have him out, and then end up being the target for him. So, that is it for Sentry. Uh, but it was a pleasure being able to cover it. I really like oh, this no, story. I, man, this is such a great story to cover. I did like this story, and I'm hoping uh, to cover more Sentry stuff in the future. Um, more of his adventures and wh where he's able to be landed. And stuff. He's never been live-action debut, so I hope one day we get a live-action debut. No, and I think the movie itself, I mean the movie itself, the the story itself can work in a short story, short, sorry, series or a movie form. I actually think that um, the mystery is, is interesting. I think that if you're able to convey that um, in a different medium, it would be very, very interesting. Because oh, I don't know how good people can, like, this story is like, it's dour. It's like, it's something you don't want to read inside of a comic book in a sense, you know? You don't, but I'm saying like you don't. Um, you can only really tell. You can only really drop this ball once. You know that's true. And so it's like, if you're gonna do it, it has to be its own thing, its own film. Like I would hate for him to be a, a byproduct of another film series, and then they have to shoehorn all of this there. You know. Yeah, so. like a Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now I want him on his own. Give yeah. him his own thing. I'm not going to lie, this character deserves a lot more than what we can give him. Right. And hopefully he gets a lot, he does a lot more in the future in general. Um, but, what's the. Yeah. So, you can go and read Century issues one through five. Uh, that's what we read. We also read Century versus the Void. Um, in. Uh, during that run, there was also some one-shot Sentry and the Fantastic Four, Sentry and the Hulk, Sentry and Angel, Sentry and Spider-Man, where he they showed old um, adventures of them to get you ready for the Sentry vs. the Void. Um, he also has a second volume called Reborn, another volume called Age of Sentry, and the most recent volume, Sentry Man of Two Worlds, came out in December of 2018. So that's the most recent um, thing about him. Uh, but he's not like in Marvel vs. Capcom. He's not really in Ultimate Alliance like that. He doesn't really do the, the same uh, things like that. So, um, 
Yeah, but that is it as far as that is concerned. Next week, I think we have Guardians of the Galaxy. What, was he a playable character in, a, in one of the games? No, not in any game I've ever played. Because uh, that's what I know. I was last Lego night after Marvel, I maybe? finished. Last night after I finished reading, like, Sentry and The Void. Like, not just the Sentry 1 to 5 story. After I finished reading Sentry, I had to go and I had to, like, see if there, he was ever even in a cartoon at all. And what is there? There's the where's the publication history in other media? Yeah, no, he was in video games. He he's in the D, oh, the Nintendo DS version of Marvel Ultimate Alliance. But it's not much. Like, a, it's not. He doesn't. He's like, a playable character in Marvel Hero Squad Online, though. Yep, he's a playable character in Marvel uh, Contest of Champions, which is the mobile game, Marvel Puzz Quizzle, and Marvel Legos, like uh, the Lego Avengers. Yeah. So those were the only games he was in, like five games. Right. Yeah. Damn, he doesn't. He's he's about the same age as Harley Quinn, maybe a little younger, and he doesn't get any of the love. Right. Um, one of these days we'll tackle the um new Avengers or the Dark Avengers. Uh, what happens when after the Skull invasion, the world loses faith in our Avengers and decides to allow Norman Osborn to run his own Avengers? Where he puts Sentry as basically, you know, like one of the members, and the crazy. Is that where we get the Iron sees. Patriot? Yes, because he can't decide okay. on which he he replaces everybody on the team um, with somebody very similar. Uh, so Wolverine is replaced by his his son. Hawkeye is replaced by uh, Bullseye. Scorpion replaces Spider Man. Hercules replaces Thor, and Norman himself can't figure out whether or not he should replace Tony or Cap so he replaces both by becoming the Iron Patriot. That's just cocky. Just a bit. Yeah. Just a bit. Um, I think we're doing Guardians next week. Yeah, because uh, I was thinking, I was like, I was looking at this uh, calendar yesterday night to see what exactly I'm off on. Yeah, I'm definitely off next week. Yes, next week will be Guardians of the Galaxy to celebrate Groot's birthday. So it's a two, it's a two part, uh, another two part. It's more Marvel stuff, more Marvel birthday. Just trying to get some Marvel. Oh, this stuff is gonna out be a two parter. No, no, no. I'm saying in general, like this is the celebration of 20 years of Century, and then it's 60 oh, it's years be a of Groot. Two... Oh, 60 years of Groot. Yes, Groot has been around. Holy quite crap! Crazy, right? That man's older than my mother and father. And he looks good for his age. Which that's, that's he definitely great. looks Groot for his age. He looks Groot for his age. That's it. If you want to help us celebrate uh, Groot's birthday next week, write us what you think about Guardians of the Galaxy. But the, I, I would suggest going back and listening to as many episodes of the Major Issues podcast as possible. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. But you can find the rest of our episodes uh, on comicbookclick.com, the official one stop for everything comic book click. Like every episode of the Major Issues podcast, major articles written by us, merchandise as part of T Public, but designed by myself, and um, yeah, other cool things that we were able to do. Uh, if you, besides going to comicbookclick.com, you can find the Major Issues podcast on Stitcher, Podbean, the Apple Podcast app, Podcast Attic, the Google Podcast app, YouTube, TuneFind, Spotify, and wherever podcasts are found. Um, I, we also encourage you guys to reach out to us 
at facebook.com slash comic book click, Instagram at comic book click, or use the hashtag comic book click to talk about the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. Uh, and rate and review us on iTunes. It's the quickest way for us to grow as podcasters and find out what you like and what you don't like. Um, and you can go ahead and do that in app. I think we put up a video of uh, how we can do it on an iPhone. Uh, so it's very possible. It's very easy uh, to rate and review us. And when you do, it it helps other people find our podcast. Our numbers are growing, but I'm trying to find connect to the other members of the click. I've been to the future where we do become the latest and greatest thing to come to comic books and comic book media. Just can't tell you how to do it or it breaks the timeline. So I am hoping uh, to get there and the, with the most honest and fun way possible. And that's alongside my friends uh, as part of comic book click. But yeah, I think that's all there. That's there. My name is George Serrano, yep. a.k.a. The Don. I am Dan, the comic book man. And this has been our Century, issue one through five in Century vs. the Void, recap and review. And remember, if you have a voice deep down inside telling you a superhero, you might listen to it. If there's a dark version of yourself and you are truly your worst enemy, don't listen to it. Go to your smartest friends and allies. Become the hero that you're meant to become. And remember, we're always going to remember that you... Yes, you are worthy.